Hey everyone, welcome to episode 51 of Devon's Daily Crypto Tips. Today is the 26th of March and I've written about crypto in 2019 today. It's a bit of a different format. Sometimes I just like to write a short piece about something I get asked a lot of. And yeah, I get emailed probably every other day. Uh, somebody asked me, where is crypto headed in 2019? Asked me whether to invest now, whether to wait, if the price is going to go lower, etc. I just want to say before I, sh I start this piece, I don't have a crystal ball, so I don't know exactly when. Uh, but I do analyse other markets, trends, uh, technical analysis, and just the sentiment in general to have a, a general feel of the direction and where we are. And that's pretty much what this piece is going to be covering. So the five kind of topics within this piece are an overview of Bitcoin and where it's at today. Two, a market overview, so more of a, a bigger outlook on the whole market. Three, what's going on behind the scenes? This is really important to know. Four, what will the financial crisis do to crypto? Uh, a theory. And five, just my final thoughts on this topic before moving on. So let's begin with an overview of Bitcoin. So I saw a post on Forbes today, this morning, uh, highlighting that Bitcoin has fallen over 80% from its peak in 2017. And you often see this post, you know, when the price starts to fall, it, it, it's, you know, propaganda. And it is true, the price has fallen 80% from its peak in 2017. What I've done here, for those of you listening, I've actually listed out the price of Bitcoin since the earliest date I could find, since April 2013. So I'm just going to go through, through the price and the market cap. So in April 2013, uh, Bitcoin had a $1.5 billion market cap and the price of Bitcoin then was $135. 2014, $5.5 billion market cap, the price was $400. 15, $3.5 billion market cap, price $250. 2016, $6.5 billion market cap, price was $425. 17, $20 billion market cap, price $1,100. 18, $120 billion market cap, price $7,000. So this is kind of the year where it really kicked off. 19, $70, $70 billion market cap, and the price was $4,000. So if you really take a step back and look over a five, six year time frame, Actually, it's gone from $1.5 billion to even today $70 billion. It's a significant increase. Yes, since uh, December 2017, it's fallen. Uh, I think the peak was around $825 billion market cap. And it's now down to around 130 overall market cap billion. But if you take a step back and look a few years before that, actually, we're still massively up. So yeah, in 2013, Bitcoin peaked at $1,125. And I'm going to be coming back to this later. And then it fell all the way to $185. So it went from $1,125 to $185. So that was an 85% decline from the peak. Uh, so that was in 2015 when that happened. So it went from 2013, it peaked at $1,125. 2015, it, it finally hit the $185 mark. Um, then, of course, from that point, it went on to climb to greater heights each time and then eventually peaked in December 2017 near just under $20,000. So I think it's worth mentioning that, that data can be manipulated to push a narrative to potentially influence the public's perception of Bitcoin slash cryptos. And I think this is very important. The media uh, doesn't necessarily push out the truth it, or it is sometimes factual but twisted to, you know, influence the public's perception. A lot of media does do that. I'm not going to get deep into that. But I always think it's worth actually just checking the data. Uh, like, yes, I understand that, that my data can be, be shown differently to constrain like, like a, a positive belief about cryptos and Bitcoin, but that's just factualist, you know, month by month basis every year. Uh, and I've, I'm indifferent about the opinion on that. It's just, it's just factual that actually, yes, on a one-year time frame, we're down 45%, and on a, since the peak, we're down around 85% in 2017. But on a three-year time frame, on a four-year time frame, we're still massively up, and it's really, really important to understand that yes, Bitcoin is down on a year-to-year -year basis. 
but on a five-year uh, horizon, we're actually massively up still. And just um, to kind of compare this to other markets, most investors in the stock market, well, it obviously depends if you're if you're an investor, you're long-term, full stop. Traders look at short-term price action. Um, so, so when investing in the stock market, people tend to only look like five years. It tends to be retirement. So if you invested, say, in 2013, then only looked in 2018, you really wouldn't care about that slight drop in the market. So it just it's just about it depends what your time frame is. Uh, I wouldn't worry too much on a macro level. Yes, we are in a bear market, but we're still up massively from five years ago. So it is still positive trajectory for Bitcoin. So the second point here is the market overview. Now I do apologize for those listening. There's a lot of graphs in here. I'll try to describe them the best as I can while going through this. So markets work in cycles. They go from being undervalued to fairly valued and then to overvalued. And then you see the pop and they go back down to undervalued. I love this saying, it goes, the bull climbs the stairs and the bear jumps out the window. I use this all the time to describe how markets work. So put simply, when an asset is undervalued, it takes a very long time for it to return to the fairly valued section. It kind of drags on a bit. And then the momentum builds until it's extremely overvalued and then it pops and plummets back down to the undervalued again. We see this happen all the time in all different markets. Now, it's worth noting that different markets take different time periods for this kind of sequence to to occur. The stock market is well known for every 10 years you tend to have a financial crisis. We had one in you know 2000 and 2008. Many economists and traders are predicting one very soon, so we're overdue, but it does tend to happen every 10 or so years. Um, I've, tried to, I've tried to put percentages on it. Obviously, it's different every time, but think of it like this. Undervalued is about 35% of the life cycle. This is when it keeps on dropping in price. It massive. The majority of the bear market just plummets downwards, and then it kind of sits at a very low level. And then you start to creep into the fairly valued section. That's when it starts to increase, but, but nothing significant pretty average and normal for, for that uh, different asset class and then you reach overvalued overvalued is towards the end of the life cycle when you know the public start to rush in the retail investors they tend to say you know the undervalued is when the smart money gets in uh, and they exit when it gets to the overvalued so i've got a, a graph here what happened in, to bitcoin in 2014 uh, november in 2013 towards the end of the year it peaked at 1100 as we mentioned earlier and then it, it just declined. The chart looks exactly like it does this year. Uh, the bear market shows a peak at $1,100 where Bitcoin clear, was clearly overvalued and then sure, saw a sharp decline in price. This is the market basically rapidly throwing it down to the undervalued segment. Basically, the bears are winning. They're saying, nope, this is way too high. Taking pro you know institutional traders and people with a lot of money, taking the profits, driving the price down to the undervalued segment. Um, and that lasted about about two years, very similar to where we are today. And then the reversal started to happen, but it does take a while. Um, how do you note this? You note this when there's a lot less volatility and volume. So kind of, you know, it's where like flat lines where we are now. It keeps on bouncing between the small range of, in this case, 3,800 and 4,200. And there's not a lot of volatility, not a lot of volume at all. Uh, and it's a sign of ex exhaustion from the bears. Yes, the bulls as well, but it's exhaustion from the bears. And that's how you know it's kind of stopped that really de massively declining in that undervalued section. Um, so yeah, there's little interest. The market seems dead relatively i mean if we go back to 2017 there's no interest now it's nobody's really talking about bitcoin and cryptocurrencies why because not as much money is being made uh, by a lot of people anymore uh, and then we have where the market starts to gain momentum and this is from i've got the chart here from 2015 to 2016 and really it was i mean it went from like 300 dollars up to 750 which is good but it's only 150 percent over like two years which for the crypto market isn't that substantial but this is what drew in a lot of people a lot of uh people who like look at different markets more 
the smart money to say. So it was gaining momentum. Think of it like a, a snowball rolling down a mountain. This was it being pushed down at the start. It's starting to gain momentum. And then I've got the image here of obviously the peak in December 2017 where we see the 20k Bitcoin. That is the, the snowball rolling. It's massive. Think of it like the size of a house approaching the edge of a cliff. That is kind of where the market was. And then guess where it leads to now? Boom. The crash again. So we're back to the going down to the undervalued section. Now, we hit overvalued in 2017. We've experienced very similar volatility on the way down, like 2014, 15. In my opinion, I don't have a crystal ball, so you know, I don't know for sure, but we are shifting from the undervalued stage into the fairly valued stage right now. In other words, the market has been beaten down to levels where the bears are near enough exhausted, and we should start to see slow but meaningful growth over a period. I can't give the pit, say it's over a year. And this is kind of the point where we'll have the, the crypto enthusiasts getting back in, really creating more content, the market will start to pick up a bit, and then we'll start to see that momentum really, really picking up. Markets go in cycles and tends to reach higher peaks each time. We've seen this with all markets. I don't think we'll see all-time highs until probably the end of next year, but that doesn't mean we won't say, for example, 10K Bitcoin by the end of the year, or altcoins really increasing by a substantial amount. And I'll speak more about portfolio allocation to, to members of the club. The snowball has been put back on top of the hill and has been pushed. We will start to gain momentum like last time. So section three here is what's going on behind the scenes. I'm not going to go too deep into this. I do cover these, these topics within the newsletters every, pretty much every day. Uh, but what I want to just say is, this is why I created the newsletter, to keep you informed of what's going on behind the scenes, because it's so fundamentally important if you're investing in an asset class to understand what's going on, not with just with the tokens, but what's happening on a, a bit of a macro level in terms of what are the banks doing, what are the institutions doing, what are the investment platforms doing, etc., etc. So pretty much I want to point out what, what's happened over the past few years. And the biggest, the key that you really need to take away is that institutional investment vehicles have opened up massively. Whether we're talking about ETFs, futures, funds, Circle Invest, user-friendly applications, infrastructure uh, that can support the demand that's needed, uh, regulated stablecoins, SEC guidelines, laws, regulation, gateways, information and community, they've all exponentially grown over the past few years, even with the bear market. You know, the, the price has gone down, but all of the, those things have exponentially grown in terms of progression. Some of them aren't out yet, but in terms of progression, we've, we've gone massively up there. And in terms of demand and support and functionality of these exchanges, they can handle mass adoption much better than 2017. I don't know if any of you remember, but in 2017, loads of exchanges closed their doors. I remember I had a course at the time and I recommended three exchanges. So I had a, a selection and all three of those exchanges closed their doors and I had people saying, where do I go? And I didn't know. I, I was like, oh, I had to do some more research into reputable exchanges because they just couldn't handle the demand. So there were so many bottlenecks in 2017 that this time around, when the demand is there, can be handled. And I think that was one of the contributing factors towards this, uh, the bear market happening so soon was because they just weren't ready for the demand. There weren't enough investment vehicles or platforms. And also not just that, but it was difficult. People were like, I had honestly so many emails. What are private keys? What are wallets? What are It's really difficult for an average person to understand the concept of a private key and hashes and wallets and all these things. But this time round, we have solutions for all of these issues. Both institutional and retail investors will have more ways to get into the market and the barrier to entry will be pretty much removed so they can get in quicker and easier than ever. So I'm really excited to what's happening behind the scenes in terms of development because it'll make it much easier for that snowball effect to really compound and get that momentum going. Then we have section four here. What will the financial crisis do to crypto? So I could speak about this for days. I really, I've studied the economy and financial crisis quite a lot. But I, I've mentioned before that due to the infancy of the market, it's pretty much impossible to tell how it will perform during a financial crisis. We don't have enough data. It was created pretty much, although Bitcoin was created in 2009, there wasn't really a market for it until 2013. 
Um, I, I've got a piece here which which I'll, which I'll read out, but but I wrote it in a newsletter like a few weeks ago, uh, and I'll read out now. Bitcoin is widely referred to as digital gold. As mentioned before, during times of fear, investors are looking to preserve as much as, of their capital as possible and has, have historically used precious metals to become the store of value, which is true. Everybody, the rich money, they all go to gold and silver to preserve capital. Many investors are already using Bitcoin as a store of value, despite its volatility. If everybody believes that Bitcoin is a safe haven and a store of value, then during a crisis, it very may well live up to these expectations. Because if everybody believes something to be true, I mean, in fairness, everybody believes that the dollar has value, so it has value, when really it's just a bit of paper. So if everybody believes that Bitcoin has value, then it will get value from that demand, if, if that makes sense. So yeah, many investors are already using it. Um, and that's one of the most common reasons people give that's really being used. Another one that is being used a lot is hyperinflation, the fear of hyperinflation due to the excess printing of fiat capital. So in Venezuela, they have a million dollar level inflation, hyperinflation. Their currency is beyond worthless. They're just printing and printing and holding on to that currency will significantly reduce uh, their net worth in a very short period of time. We saw this happen in Germany, Weimar Republic, etc. Hyperinflation kills the value of currency, and you see things like the price of bread going up, like thousands of whatever, in a, like a very short period of time. So instead of storing your your currency uh, in a national currency like dollars, you know, fiat currency, many people are storing it in Bitcoin. So in Venezuela, they have uh, statistically the highest per capita demand for Bitcoin. So per person, there's a huge demand for Bitcoin because they're trying to preserve their wealth, which is very very interesting. So. The first time ever, ever, if there is a financial crisis, people hate the banks uh, and really turn away from them, there is an alternative this time around before we haven't really have had an alternative. So that may be a reason for the shift. And I've, But one thing I have said to many people is people need a catastrophic event to happen to actually do something. Because not that people are inherently lazy, it's, it's more of a case of they need a catalyst big enough to actually get them to do something. It's very hard to get create a mass movement without that catalyst, you know. It really has to be uh, kind of uh, grounded on emotion and because that's what people move from. So, yes, a financial crisis could cause people to get angry, upset, distraught, and that could cause them to switch to a different system. So, and crypto would be the space. There's already a ton of people who strongly dislike banks and the whole infrastructure of the current economy globally. So I think it will be a very... For those on the fence, they can easily be tilted off the fence into the cryptocurrency world. So that's just kind of my thoughts on what could happen during a financial crisis. Yes, people could shift uh, due to fear or they could shift due to anger. But at the end of the day, it's, it's going to come from emotions mostly. Um, and equally, on the contrast, if Bitcoin does start to increase in price, uh, the fear of missing out, people want to get in the market just because it's making a lot of money. So my final thoughts, this final section is... Despite being in a bear market for the past two years, the crypto space continues to innovate, evolve, and disrupt every industry globally. There's been so much uh, creation over the past few years, it's, it's unreal. And there's just too much happening in the background, too many big players getting involved. We've seen Facebook, uh, PayPal, uh, Visa, they're all getting involved in blockchain. Uh, whether it's private or public, it still give, kind of gives validity into the space, if that makes sense. It's much easier now for the masses to migrate to the space. And once the demand starts to pick up, I do expect the bull market this time around to be in the trillions. As I said before, it reaches newer and newer highs. Last time we were 825 billion. This time I do see four or five billion, if not higher. Uh, sorry, trillion, if not higher. So thank you very much for listening. I appreciate this is a bit of a longer episode, but there's a ton to speak about. I really hope it's brought you a ton of value. And yeah, so if you have any questions or want to, you know, have your own thoughts on these this topic, please let me know by just giving me an email. I read and reply to all my emails. So yeah, have a great rest of your week and I will see you in tomorrow's newsletter.